Generally on the AMP and podcast, we talk to people that are digital marketers or e-commerce sellers. Today's guest is not. He actually graduated high school, started a construction business, and now owns one of the largest paving companies in the U.S., in addition to dozens of other businesses. Really, really cool story. He's a pretty convicted guy. He's got some pretty strong convictions about the way he feels about things and, and some of his passions in life and and you know how he connects the, the quote-unquote failures in life to his now successes in life. Really, really cool stuff. It's going to be a great episode. Stay tuned. Listen to the end. We'll see you in just a second. Hi, I'm Tim Jordan, and at every corner of the world, entrepreneurship is growing. So join me as I explore the stories of successes and failures. Listen in as I chat with the risk takers, the adventurous, and the entrepreneurial veterans. We all have a dream of living a life fulfilling our passions, and we want a business that doesn't make us punch a time clock, but instead runs around the clock in the AM and the PM. So get motivated, get inspired. You're listening to the AM PM Podcast. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the AMPM Podcast. We've got another excellent guest here today that has a little bit of business experience, and he's going to share that with us. So today we have Gary Rabine, which uh, is pronounced a little different than it looks. I had to practice that for a second. So Gary Rabine, who is actually a... Uh, a master in paving, in construction, essentially. And he's got a few other things under his belt, but it's a little interesting to have somebody that comes from a different industry than what we are typically focused on, the listeners here with you know digital marketing and e-commerce and things like that. And as we go through the episode, you'll understand why I think this content is so relevant and so appropriate. And I'm super glad to have you here, Gary. Welcome. Hey, thank you, Tim. It's great being here. Appreciate the, the fact that you think I'm worthy of uh, being interviewed, man. <laughs> there you go. As we get through uh, through your resume a little bit, it'll be obvious to, to you listeners that uh, that there's some stuff here that we need to unpack and we need to dive into because it's going to be pretty valuable. So let's start off, Gary, with like your professional career. The short version was you left high school, you didn't have much of a formal education, and you had to figure out something, and you got into paving, Right. Yeah, you know, I worked for somebody through high school doing uh, landscaping and paving driveways. And, and uh, you know, before graduating high school, I kind of, you know, a lot of my friends are going to college and, and had great plans. I was a, I was a captain of my football team. I captained my wrestling team. And a lot of these guys were on my teams were all, you know, many of them were going to college, most of them actually. And that was 1981. And uh, they kind of laughed at me because I, I said, I think I'm going to either start a landscaping business or a paving business. And they kind of laughed at me. And one buddy of mine said, so you're going to be a ditch digger. Just be, just be honest, Raybine. Your world needs ditch diggers, dude. And uh, so sure enough, uh, you know, they kind of laughed at me. He said it really loud amongst a bunch of kids in study hall. Embarrassed me for about five seconds. And then, uh, and I'll never forget that five seconds how I felt. Um, then, then from there on, I, you know, I, in my mind, I said, that's all right. Someday you guys might want to work for me. And uh, either way, so, so I, I was fortunate enough that, uh, you know, I liked the paving industry and I was able to start into the paving industry soon after high school. And then I feel like there's so much more there you can hit on. Well, you know, yeah. So, no, I started started paving driveways and knocking on doors to pave driveways had very, very lousy equipment, you know, really, really antiquated, junky stuff that only, only stuff I could afford to buy or use from front, from other people. And uh, uh, my quality was probably, uh, probably maybe not really bad, but just bad probably. And, you know, not, not mediocre. We weren't mediocre, but bad. And, uh, but I was, I, I was passionate enough and, and, and caring enough that I, you know, tried to solve problems when they happen. I tried to fix driveways that looked really bad or, you know, customers that noticed the, the badness. Right. 
And, uh, and eventually, uh, you know, I got to be better and better at it. Um, and, and uh, you know, strive to be like a couple of the companies in the marketplace that were the best in the, in the, in the market, in the, in, this, in, the count, in the county I was paving driveways in. And I had some goals, right? I had a goal to be better than them. And uh, it took about 10 years before I could be kind of their standard with better, better equipment, better technology, and, and high quality. And uh, I got there in about 10 years, got from, from zero to a couple million dollars in revenues in 10 years. Um, the next 10 years went from $2 million to about $6 million. And so we tripled in size in the, in the next 10 years. So 20 years to get to 6 million revenues, which is probably similar to yeah, maybe maybe today's industry, the same industry, maybe be 12 or 15 million in revenues. Um, and then and then we had this this, ho- this hockey stick uh, type of thing. I started figuring out some, some, some things that uh, really differentiated us. So, uh, you know, I, I talk about innovation and differentiation a lot when I talk to young people, I mentor people in business a lot and young CEOs and startups. And, uh, you know, I, I figured out how to innovate in an industry that wasn't commonly innovative um, with some really cool stuff. And, and that cool stuff um, got me to in, in front of customers that I wouldn't have done business with otherwise. So let's say, you know, 15 to 20 years in really discovered some neat stuff and how to pave concrete super efficiently, you know, as, as efficient as asphalt. Um, how to, uh, in, you know, really use more innovative engineering so that I can figure out how my customers could have concrete and asphalt pavements that would last longer with, with less cost uh, to, to deliver. And uh, really figured out our best customers were the, were the big maintenance co- companies that owned a lot of real estate, people that owned millions and millions of square feet of real estate that needed somebody to trust that could maintain it. So, so like 15, 15, year 15, probably, yes, probably 1996, 97, really got into paving for some big, big commercial property owners. And that was really good. And we, and we also about the same time figured out that new construction in our space, not the most rewarding in the world. Um, you know, you think of developers and con- contractors are kind of abusive sometimes. That even if they're your friends, they want you to do it for the cheapest price. They want you to wait a little longer to get paid. Um, and I found much better customer relationships with those people that owned a lot of properties that needed me as kind of an expert, right, at their, at their side as they bought properties, sold properties, maintained them. And they always seemed to pay me when I was done. It was kind of, kind of crazy, man, but I, I, I would do a job and they would actually want to pay me. I was like, whoa, where do I find more customers like this? And so sure enough, that's what I did. I, I, I you know, this is kind of the 80-20 rule. I figured that wrote a, you know, read the book about 80-20 back in the 90s and said, man, I got to start firing some customers. I got to start duplicating my top customers. And my top customers were those people, those, those facilities owners that, that needed great relationships and that would pay you when you're done, man. So for sure, I, I, I really discovered how to dive into that space. I started to speak at their conferences. I started to, um, you know, I started my own little uh, Rabine University. So here's a hillbilly kid that uh, didn't go to school. And man, I'm I, I never going to go to school. So I might as well somehow create my, create my own university. And we did that. So we teach people about, about uh, all the different types of pavements longevity of pavements, life cycle cost of pavements. And, uh, and, and that was, that's been a lot of fun. We still, we have like, like we've got the most investment invested in, in a, uh, in a uh, kind of a learning center for pavements and now roofs and, and many other things. Cause we, we've dived into many other businesses in the facility space. My passion, my expertise is, is still in concrete paving and asphalt paving. But uh, so, so, so we went from that, that when I think about the hockey stick approach or the ho- hockey stick thing that happens with, Great innovation, great, great service to customers, and 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 great mentoring and 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 duplication of good things, people and processes. 
Um, I figured all that out. It took a while, man. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a hillbilly. So it took me a while to figure all this stuff out. But, you know, years 15 to 20, I started figuring this stuff out. And, and sure enough, by year you know, 30 in, in business, we were one of the biggest, if not the biggest in our space in the, in the country. So we went from a, a, a local driveway company to a, a, local, a, a regional parking lot company to a, a Midwestern parking lot company, parking lot paving company to a, a national paving company. And so, uh, you know, we pay for some of the biggest paved parking lots for some of the biggest owners of distribution centers, industrial property and commercial property today in the world. Um, and it all it all happened because we figured out I, I would say three things and, and uh, you know I, I do it I do a podcast also Tim and in my podcast I, I kind of you know, I, I put together you know what are these these one percenters these people that these people that discover how to be the best of the best in their industry what do they do differently and 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 gosh it's it's a lot of the same stuff over and over again you know there's some different different things that I think people look at as their, their own laws of success. But, but the three things I, I really hold on to that I know have been my, you know, probably part of our biggest success is, is this, uh, you know, to serve at a level that, that, that people rave about, right? To serve your customers and create a customer experience that your customers just love um, and remember. Um, you know, the, uh, the other thing we think about is this differentiation, right? We, we, we have a slogan, discover, discover the difference, because we want our customers to understand what makes us different when they do business with us or they want, we want, we want we'll educate them on it first and then we want to make sure they feel it. And then we'll talk about it after, hopefully, or they talk about it after. Um, so differentiation is a big deal for us. We we're every year trying to figure out how do we differentiate each company we have um, beyond the competition to be world-class. Uh, and, and so then, so innovation serve, you know, serving and innovation are, are big. And then the last thing is mentorship. So we, I, I've been one that I, I look out my, uh, into my industry and say, who's the best in the world? I try to seek them out and try to discover what they do different to be best in the world. And, you know, at first it was, I, I think I mentioned in my local community, I was saying, you know, how can I get, be as good as these couple, you know, residential paving companies? And I figured that out. It worked out pretty well. It took me a while, right? Then, then I said, okay, who's the best in commercial paving in the Chicagoland market? And I figured that out and, and got to be friends with that, the person I thought was the best. Um, and that worked out pretty well. So then I said, okay, who's the best in the country? And, and that worked out well. I got to be friends and started to kind of a network and a forum between the best commercial paving companies that I, that I, that I seeked out. Um, some of them didn't want to you know, participate in it, but those that did, you know, we learned a lot. And, and eventually, heck, it took me a long time. And, and I'll tell you, today I would say to anybody, um, think like I thought in year probably 20, this is 38, 39 years in business now, but think about like I thought in year 25 probably. And that's, okay, this is great, man. Who's the best in my community? Who's the best in the market? Who's the best in the country? Well, who the hell is the best in the world, right? I mean, if we look at every one of our businesses today, whether it's a brand new business we start up or it's one of those older businesses, we constantly say, who's doing it the best in the world? And, and, if, and if everybody could, could do that, and I think almost everybody has access to do that, man, it's amazing how fast you can go from, from A to Z, right? So my, my, uh, you know, my, my thing in my businesses today, everyone, every business we start, including the, uh, you know, one we started here six months ago, one we started a year and a half ago, um, and one's a doors and docks company, uh, one is an HVAC maintenance company. Um, those leaders, my partners, I, I'm, I'm very confident, want to be the best in the world. They want to kick ass. They don't want to be average. They don't want to be the Gary Rabine that, that you know, was just, just pretty bad and strive to be, you know, okay. Um, they want to they hit the ground running and they want to strive to be the best in the world. Well, you know, it takes investment. It takes uh, you know hard work. But uh, but if that's your if that's your goal, and you have competitive people 
leading that, you'll get there. All right. So let me unpack a few things because you you covered a lot. And some of these things are pretty, pretty valuable, I think. Well, hey, I, st- I stopped after the first two sentences. And then you said, you know, that wasn't enough. <laughs> that's it. So, um, you know, one thing that's interesting is you go through your, your resume here. You've done a lot. You didn't put in these words, but you currently own the largest privately owned commercial paving company in the U.S., right? Like that that's a... Yeah, so... So I have a hard time saying that because I don't really know for sure, right? But we, we know that there's about 40,000 people that do what we do that, that maintain and pave parking lots and concrete and asphalt, mostly just asphalt, some concrete. We do both. But but we, we, we're we confident we're in the top three or four in the in the country. And the ones that I know of that are in that, are, our size are, are are now owned by private equities and stuff. So we... We think we think we are, but we're either way. We're in the top, you know. Well, let's just assume you are, because it sounds better, right? Um, and then, and then you've launched some other businesses. You've you've gone through, you know, your ups and downs, but ultimately, I would say that it's pretty impressive what you've done. But the interesting point is uh, this example you use of a hockey stick. And for those of you that don't understand what that is, if we look at like the line of growth, you know, it's pretty horizontal for a very long period of time. You know, you're saying fifteen or twenty years, where it's like you couldn't you know, break free, like the real big growth didn't happen. And then all of a sudden, you know, whether the, the tides turned, you figured something out, you you know, the stars aligned for whatever reason it takes off, which is interesting because in the world that we're at, people are so impatient and business is tough because we put so much pressure on ourselves and, you know, we equate our business as the personal success and that impatience really messes us up because we can assume too early that this is not going to work long-term. So you went 15 or 20 years. Through that 15 or 20 years before things really started booming, did you always feel like you were just around the corner from that big upswing, or were you shocked when that started to happen? So, you know, I'll tell you, Tim, Tim I, uh, I didn't know what success was going to look like. I, you know, I felt pretty successful when I was a $6 million company making over a million bucks a year, right? And I, and I, didn't, I, I, I had goals. I had a lot of goals in business that I was going to grow and continue to grow and be good, you know, be, be great at what I do. But uh, I, I had to keep on seeking out a vision of success and what that would look like as I hit different stages. But, but you know, my goal was, was, to, was, was probably beyond what I thought when I was a $6 million company 17 years in, I think it was. And then uh, uh, I had a union battle. The union battle uh, forced me to do a lot of things differently. And I lost everything I had over that time. This was only 2001 to 2004, uh, somewhere in that range. Anyway, but bottom line is at the end of the union fight, I was, I, I was worth it. You know, my wife and I were worth five or six million bucks. And at the end of the fight, we were worth a negative million bucks. But over that time, I learned a lot because I, I had to take myself out of the field and, and fight the fight with the unions every day, um, strategizing how it's going to get work done, strategizing how it's going to keep customers they were scaring away. Uh, uh, you know, employees and, you know, great teammates that they're scaring away. So I had to be all over them fighting labor charges that were false labor charges. So I had a lot of cha- challenging things that happened over that time, but I, but it was a blessing in disguise because I, I had to take myself out of the day to day. So my, my, my right-hand guy, two couple guys had to actually run the jobs and, and I had to, I had to find confidence in them. Otherwise I couldn't have done it. So what the neat thing was, I also had to, I had to sell better than ever because I had to sell the customers knowing that they're going to have union union BAs on their ass if they use me, right? I, I had to sell the employees knowing that, you know, come on board on my team because if you like getting in fights and you like, you know, the rat blowing up on the job, man, I'm the place to be, right? So I had to sell myself better than ever to, to teammates working for me, to customers wanting to work for me, to vendors doing business with me because they scared them away as well. So for me, 
that, that was a growth, a growth time like never before in my life. I studied the unions. I studied politics. And I learned a lot about that stuff. I was never involved in that stuff in my life at, at that point in time. I'm 39 to 41 or two years old at that point, right? And so I learned a lot. And, and through that learning, I was able to say, okay, once we got through it, now we're going to grow like hell. And we're going to grow, you know, quality growth. And we did. We, we went from $6 million to $20 million in two years and then, and then continued to grow at over $200 million. But, but again, as we did that, I understood labor law better than any of my competitors because I'd been, been dragged through the ringer. So I, I grew in other parts of the country where I, where I could understand the labor law, understand where I could do it efficiently and where I should sub out, right? Um, we, so, so either the lessons were incredible, but I also had to take myself out of the business. And what that did was it, it, I had to scale and I had to duplicate you know, to scale. And, and so then I, then, then I, I really became more of a, a real entrepreneur, a, a franchise-minded, you know, duplicating-minded entrepreneur. And so I might still be, a, you know, maybe, maybe I'd be an 8 or $10 million company doing fine, making good money, right? You know, better than just a lifestyle company because I could sell it for a decent buck. But not, not where I, I'd never be where I am today without that union battle probably. And, 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 uh, and then, you know, more, more, more challenges happen over the next years. And every time I, I have a challenge, it costs me, you know, whether it be a few million bucks, in some cases, 15, and 15 to 17 million I had in an eight-month period. So whatever it is, whatever those challenges are, I always say, okay, I got my butt kicked. My, my teeth are knocked out. I you know, throw some new teeth in and get up, get up and, and, and move again. And what did I learn that, that could be way worth the lesson? So in every case I've, I've, I've lost, whether it's a business that, that I have to shut down or, or a battle I lose and cost me money, always I look at what's the lesson I learned and how do I make sure that lesson is way worth that? How do I make sure, and, and, and the union lesson for sure paid off many times over. Um, the, the last loss that I had in these two, these two companies is paying off big now and forward because um, I, I know the lessons I learned and I'm going to make sure they don't happen again. But, but again, so, so I guess the scaling mentality is how do you duplicate good people and, and good processes? Um, I've gotten way better at that than I ever would have been if I didn't have if I didn't go through the, the battles I've had in my in my businesses, right? Yeah, and it's interesting. You know, you're talking about you know really good times. And you're talking about 2001, 2004, really bad times. You know, you're you even use the expression. You know, you're getting your butt kicked, and you know only two minutes later, you're talking about that was one of the biggest uh, blessings, I guess, that you had because that struggle forced you to. Uh, change the way you did business, change the way you you operated. And that's something that, you know, going back to the impatience, I think entrepreneurs forget and they don't like cherish, you know, those struggles. If it were super easy, everybody would do it. And, you know, there are so many people that barely skate by and, and they don't have a huge catastrophic problem or failure or crisis. And they think that they're doing okay. But the people that do go through those crises and get back up, you know, lace their boots back up and keep going, usually find that that loss was not necessarily lost. It was just an investment into future success. 100%. 100%. I mean, I, I believe that, you know, we're going to continue to grow businesses and have fun doing it. We've got, we've got businesses that people want to buy right now that are very strong in tough times. We've got, you know, we've got a couple of businesses that are kind of flat and actually, actually you know, not going to make money this year because of the COVID issues we have mm -hmm. in our state. Uh, and, and different markets we're in, right? Overall, we have a net positive in a, in a very good way in our in our group of companies. But uh, you know, and, and those ones that are suffering, we're learning, right? And those ones that are we're, we're growing uh, ex exponentially in a tough time, boy, we're saying, wow, this is nice. How, how do we get some of this in these other businesses, right? So we're we're constantly growing, and 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 and, and no matter what, in my opinion, in, in entrepreneurship, you be ready to fail, be ready, be ready to fail as fast as possible. And, and, and then learn, right? Learn from every instance. For me, 
I, I believe a, a, you know, a person that was a little more intelligent than me uh, would, would probably have gotten through these times faster, maybe not even had them. But I also believe people way more intelligent than me take no risk in their life, right? They, they or they take very little risk because they're yeah. smarter than me. They, they know that the risk is a little higher than they want. And, and maybe I was too stupid, didn't understand the risk was higher than I thought, right? So for, for me, I'm very confident that, that you know, being the, the kind of the hillbilly guy that always thinks I'm, I'm, I'm one of the dumbest in the room has been a, a, a blessing to me because I, I'm listening, I'm learning. It may take me a little longer than the next guy, but once it's locked in, I got it. And, and uh, it pays off in the long run. Compared yep. to some of my friends who are super smart, really smart people, well-educated, well um, probably not going to get themselves in a lot of trouble financially, but probably not going to be, you know, uber successful either in the long run, right? Yep. That goes back to that whole rich dad, poor dad kind of mentality, right? You know, I can I can play by the rules and take a paycheck or I could go a little bit rogue and maybe something big happens. So you've got these, these physical businesses, right? Your businesses are based on uh, construction and service and things like that which is unique to the podcast world because most people that come in and, you know, they, they are guests on a podcast and they host a podcast, which you do, you've got, and, and I want you to talk about your podcast in a second and um, kind of framing the context for that. Uh, it's just unique. And what I found interesting was I was asking you like, Hey, you know, why do you run your podcast? You know, you're not using it as a, a digital marketing tool. You're not using it as lead magnet. You're not trying to sell a service to these listeners, you know, unless they, need a commercial driveway or parking lot. But what was interesting is you were saying that you feel, I don't know, not empowered, but feel res like, like you have a responsibility to help people in different various stages of the entrepreneurial journey using lessons that you've learned, but also that you can consolidate from like your podcast guests. Is that, is that an accurate statement? Yeah, well, 100%. So my excitement in life is, that, you know, I lost my wife recently a couple of weeks ago and, and watching her go through the challenges she went through with cancer is it's amazing that you know, she's the strongest person I'd ever want to know. I mean, and to be her partner in life is amazing. But bottom line is, what do we realize when, when your wife you know, passes at a young age and, and goes through this, you know, four and a half years of fight this battle is life is short. And I, I kind of knew this before, but boy, it really, it really got highlighted. Life is short. And, and, you know, she made amazing mark on the world. I mean, she was the most giving person in the world. She, we had a couple of foundations that, 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 you know, she ran our main foundation that gives back a ton to communities. Um, and, and, and all she cared about was how, she, how could she help whoever she was around. So for me, I, I, I've been the guy making, you know, building businesses, supporting, you know, supporting our, our, our financial side of our family while she's been the, the one that's been an amazing giver. Also, so again, when you're in the situation, you're 50, uh, you know, 50, you know, whatever, two to seven years old, whatever I've been, uh, you really look back at your life and say, gosh, what have I done? I've made money. I've created some business, created opportunities. That's been a lot of fun. And entrepreneurship has been a huge part of that. Um, you know, been blessed to be born in this great country and blessed to, to, to love a, a great God and all these things, right? But what am I going to do the rest of my life to, to, to make sure that, uh, that, that I'm looked upon as positively as she's looked, she was looked upon? Um, and I believe that, that giving back in the way of mentorship is a big deal. Um, I think about my mentors in my life, Tim, and man, they, they, I, I smile when I think of my mentors because without them, boy, I'd, I'd probably be nothing like I am today when it comes when it comes to business savvy and things like that. Um, my 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 vision my vision has has gotten very clear in my life as far as where I could take businesses because I've I've been around great visionaries in business. My my ability to find people to execute on businesses is because I've got great mentors that understand execution um, and better than I did, right? 
so so uh, and so then I then I look at uh, you know so how can I affect change and how can I make the the world a better place? And I believe that sharing experiences, you know, good and bad, um, not telling people how to do things, right? That's not mentorship, but sharing experiences that that I've had, good and bad, that that I can share with young people in business is is awesome because I I, I know that I've I've, been, I've I've inspired many people in my own businesses to be entrepreneurs as we grow more. Um, but I've also had more experience outside my business when, when, you know, just people in my industry or people outside ministries to call and say, hey, Gary, would you help me out? Could you, could you mentor me, right? And they hear me talking about mentorship all the time. So I get a lot of it and I've had a lot of fun. So I, I started a mentorship organization called True Mentors, where I put together friends of mine that are successful CEOs and entrepreneurs with, with young startup minded people that are, or, or people in business that want to be leaders in business. And it's been a lot of fun. True Mentors has definitely inspired a lot of, a lot of entrepreneurs and leaders. So, so now, personally, I, I said, I said, okay, well, what can I do to, to continue on this, right? And my, 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 the chip on my shoulder is this: people that don't know me look at me as, uh, you know, when I, when I speak at different things or whatever. I'm confident that some people look at me as just the rich, rich white guy, right? I'm, yeah, he's a white guy, and he's he's a privileged white guy, right? And he's probably got probably got his money handed to him, whatever. Well, I'm confident that the, the the people that I know and that are CEOs, and I know thousands of CEOs, and I'm friends with hundreds, right? Because I'm blessed to be amongst a bunch of leadership organizations regionally and across the country, YPO and many others. And and so so I'm blessed that I, that I get engaged. And I meet all these good these great people, and most of these people that have built something, built something because they're awesome people because they they love to serve an industry, they love to serve it better than anybody else, like I was talking about before. They they, uh, they 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 usually have a higher purpose than making money. It's not about making money. It's about creating opportunity. It's about serving their, their market in, in a way that nobody else has, differentiating in a way nobody else has. So I said, you know, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do podcasts. I'm so blessed to have all these different people I know. I'm gonna do a podcast. I'm gonna reach out to the people that I respect the most. 100 percent of them are givers. 100 percent of them are are, are world class at serving their markets. And almost all my my, my of my 48 or 50 podcasts right now. Almost every one of them are top one percent in their industry, and most of them have built it from the, from nothing. So when you when you can look at those 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 individuals, you, you say, "Wow, it, it it that that guy, that gal, they're they're not so selfish. They built that business because they really gave a crap. They they cared about people, man. They 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 believed in in God's message of serving others more than yourself. And 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 so again, it's so much fun to interview people that I'm confident are that. They're all that. And many of them are billionaires. There's a lot of more, you know, tens of millions, hundreds of millions, and, and, and probably got seven or eight billionaires on my, on my podcast. But you'd never know. If you met any of them, you wouldn't know the difference from the, the billionaires to the, to, the, to the person that's worth, you know, a few million bucks. So that's what's fun. That's what's fun about it. I'm, got, I'm confident that we're inspiring people to think differently. So let's, you know, for the rest of the, the time that we have in this episode, let's kind of consolidate some of the lessons that you like to share that you're passionate about sharing to entrepreneurs, but also kind of leaning on the experience and the advice from your, your 50 or so other guests, right? Like I want to really drop some, some knowledge here. And the first thing I'd like for you to, to hit on is something we talked about before we started recording is this concept of like business being volinified, right? Like, I don't know if that's the correct, the correct word to use, but you know, business is bad. And I'm seeing this so much lately, you know, between my peers and just, you know, culture. And I've run into it personally. Um, you know, before I got into to hardcore business, I was a, a civil servant. I was a firefighter. And I'll never forget 
when I decided, you know, hey, I'm going to start these side hustles and these side jobs, they started blowing up. Then eventually I decided, hey, I'm going to leave the fire department after 10 years. Like my father-in-law, man, he blasted me. And, you know, why would you do this? You're just money hungry. You're just selfish. You're, you're all about just, you know, it's awful. So I've seen it. I know it's in the culture, but I'd like for you to address, you know, your thoughts on the validification of business in our society. Yeah, you know, so so our country is great because we're we're a country that that believes in in entrepreneurship, innovation, and and solving problems. Uh, there's a reason why America has twenty five percent of the world's GDP, right? Gross national product, cash cash flow, right? Twenty five percent. We're five percent, and I don't even think this under five percent of the world's population, and we have twenty five percent. So think about that: five times more cash coming in than what it would take to serve ourselves. Okay. The only reason that that's the case is because we've been great at building business and building in, in innovation ideas and, and solutions to serve the world, right? Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about um, another thing that, that I know you're passionate about, which is replacing yourself, right? This is something that is extremely difficult for entrepreneurs because we're in the middle of our business. We are, um, you know, fighting the good fight, so to speak. You know, we're, we're wrapped up in the day-to-day -day operations. And you uh, several times have been forced to replace yourself essentially. And when you're able to replace yourself and start delegating and things like that, those ended up being times in which you were able to um, more quickly and rapidly scale your business, right? Yes, absolutely. So, you know, when I, when I mentor people in business, you know, I'm, I'm in very fragmented markets that I like to be in. When I say that, I do business in markets that are often mom and pops. They're, they're, they're very often, they're, they're uh, anywhere from, uh, anywhere from uh, let's say a half a million to, uh, you know, four or five million dollar businesses, and and I love mentoring these people because I was there at one point, and I understand I understand today what I did differently to to, to change that. When I say change that, um, you know, I, I was a I was a, a business you know in those years that really just was was a paycheck for myself, and and if all things went to went to heck, I would I could be hurting as far as financially. I could be hurt, you know I, I don't have a pension right. And I built. I was building a business that's kind of a just just a paycheck, right? And so a lot of a lot of friends of mine and in my industries that we serve, they're mom and pops that just look to pretty much, uh, you know, just just for a paycheck, and and that's not very sustainable. So anything I do today, I I, I want if I'm valuable somewhere, I, I want to be I want to be valuable for a little little while, but then I want to get the hell out of the way. And and I say that because the only way I create value, like we're, we have a we have a business right now with unsolicited offers to buy it. It's a great company. I've got a great CEO that worked for me in my businesses. We spun this business out from the businesses. And he, and he went from, you know, zero EBITDA to four and a half million of EBITDA in five years, right? So this business in, in the tough economy has a lot of buyers, unsolicited offers, and we may take one. We may sell some of it or all of it, okay? But the only reason that business is marketable is because that, because I don't, I don't run the business every day. And, and that CEO is a young person that, that will stay on board to run it if, if they want them to, Right. And if and guess what? If that they don't want that CEO, the right hand guy to that person is just as good as he is. And 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 every and every market that business is in has a leader that that is accountable, um, you know, very passionate and accountable in running their operations. So he's got the he's also got a uh, he's also built a a, a, um, a boot camp a boot camp to train people in that in that industry. And it's a very technology maintenance industry, right? This is a business that uh, they they put robots in the ground. They televise the condition of pipe all over the country now. And, and that little business has the ability to grow double in the next, double or triple in the next five years. 
So it could grow to 10, 15 million of EBITDA in the next 10, you know, five, five, six years, in my opinion. So the value is really big on this thing, but it's only valuable because, because I'm not the guy they're buying. And my, my partner, yeah, they love him. He's a, great, he's a great guy, but he's got this thing built to where anybody can step in his shoes if they're a good person and they're entrepreneurial and they, and they got some vision and some, uh, uh, some, some operational skills and run that business. So that business is really valuable. So why, why do we want to build a business that, that's reliant on my value or, or my, my partner's value and, and that it's only worth what that person's worth then, right? So nobody's interested in buying a business that's not sustainable, that, 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 that doesn't, have, uh, doesn't have ability to duplicate its talent. Um, and if, you, if that's what you're building, you know what? If you're, if, if you're not building that, then you're, you're building a check for yourself that goes away someday with no pension. And and, uh, and and selling your used equipment at auction someday. Well, that's not that's not so gratifying. So why not have a hell of a lot more fun building something and scaling it? And by the way, think of all the people you're 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 giving opportunities to when you scale a great thing over and over and over again, right? Think about all the, all the partnerships. We you know we love to con- include people and shares of our business and stock in our businesses, and and it's so much fun when you can you can find somebody that's passionate about something. They they go in thinking it's a job, and 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 fifteen years later they go out knowing that it was a it was an amazing blessing that they they capitalized on, and now they're a millionaire, right? Um, so that, that's a hell of a lot more fun than staying small and 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 operating the thing with all the con, you know all the controls you get by the one person leader in a small business. So we've talked about two things here, you know, being able to replace yourself and and scale a business and and not being the bottleneck. We've also talked about this concept of building a real business because so many people just build a paycheck, right? And they're, they may not be profitable like they think they are. You know, there may be no real value in the business whatsoever. When you look back at all the advice that you've received from your mentors and, and people on your podcast and experience that you have, what would be like the one or two biggest tips that you would give people when they audit their business, essentially, when they're thinking about their business and trying to determine, hey, is this just a hobby with a paycheck or is this an actual business? Like, how do we know? Well, I think, I think you know, by if can you step away from that business for a month with no, with, with, you know, do nothing in that business for a month. Can you step away for a month and it doesn't, it doesn't miss a beat, right? If you can do that, okay, you got a business that's in great shape. And, and, and you know, not, I'm not saying a business that, you know, some of the businesses are 10 month a year businesses, eight month a business. I'm not talking about that, right? If it's a business, if you can step away in the peak season and you know that it's going to it's going to continue to move on and, and you have no problems. I mean, yeah, little issues that somebody else has to, has to solve instead of you. Right. But but if you can do that, you know, you've got value. And and, and so you you've, uh, today. OK, at one point we looked at our businesses building profits. Right. How, how much profit can we squeeze out of that business? Whatever bit, however size it was. Then at one point we liked to. OK. How, we looked at uh, top end, you know, top line revenues. If we grow revenues, we're growing value, right? In the last seven, eight years, we look at exclusively one thing, and every everybody should, I mean, should everybody should. I, I would recommend, or I would, I would, in my shared experience, I would, t- I would talk to any of my friends, and I do today, but and I, and I tell them to think about one thing: enterprise value appreciation. Enterprise value appreciation. So every business, there, there's, you know, people selling in every every industry there is. Um, there's brokers that represent every industry that there is, right? Um, and so, so if you can go out and figure out, you know, what what the enterprise value your your business would be if you were a business that didn't need you in it, right? That somebody could buy you and 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 plug and play somebody else in place, whether it's your number two person or somebody they have, right? 
you, you, you can then figure out what's what's the enterprise value. Again, if, if you got it, if you if you're taken out of it, it's not worth any. If the business operate, the business is worth basically zero, except you know selling your equipment or whatever. So no, nobody's going to be excited about that. But again, if if you can every year measure enterprise value and even quarterly, enter, enter, you, you can you can figure out your your adjustable enterprise value appreciation. And and if you can do that and understand you're growing constantly, that's what you, that's what you got to watch. Some businesses grow in the enterprise value and don't even have to profit now. I'm not in, I have one, I have a technology company that that's kind of like that. Right. Um, and, and then, and then most of my businesses have to grow EBITDA to have value. Um, but all of our businesses, no matter their, their old school, you know, paving, roofing, doors and docks, whatever it is, all of our businesses that, that have great technology to enhance the productivity uh, are, are worth more, uh, more than those that don't have. Um, the technology companies, even that the pipe televising company is kind of half tech, half labor, half plumbing. And that business has great value because the technology is pretty extensive there. And we're and, and my partner has mastered the, the data that that technology produces. I've got one company, Tim, that, that my son started. Um, my, my son's 33, is a CEO of one of our companies, uh, actually all of our companies now. He was, he was a CEO of one company though that he spun out of our, our group of companies, like just like the pipe televising guy did. This company probably will have the most value of any of our companies ever. And, and it's a company that will we think it'll be a SaaS product eventually. So my son said, Dad, we could we could do this engineering for our customers. We had civil engineers traveling across the country looking at pavements and roofs and all that. And my son came in to run that company and said we measured all the costs we had and said we could save all this cost and be way more valuable to our customers if we use drones to do all this to, to capture all this data. That we got now we have experts flying across the country gathering this data with with video and, and, and cameras and we're delivering PDS to our customer. We can change that. And so sure enough, within five, six months, you know, we, him and I budgeted the right money to, to test it. And within six months, it, it, at the latest, we had, uh, you know, our biggest customers in the country trying this product out, piloting it along with uh, our, our, our regular engineering and consulting. And they loved it. That company spun out after about a year of, of him growing it within our national company. And that company now it's called Site, S-I-T-E. Site is kicking butt, growing leaps and bounds. And the, the valuation there will be a multiple of revenues. And the multiple revenues will be 10, 10 or 15 times revenues. Um, and, 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 and this business, we're just, we're just touching the tip of the iceberg right now. And it's going to grow pretty fast in the future. We just hired a good CEO that's going to run that. Um, but, but again, the, the, the difference is two things. That business, number one, is a great value to, to, to a sale someday if we want to sell it. The enterprise value already is, is pretty extensive. But, but it's, it's also valuable to us because it, it serves our customers in the facility space like nobody else in the world does. So we use drones, artificial intelligence, and satellite imagery to capture every bit of a, a million square foot distribution center that, of the exterior of the building. So pavements, roofs, facade, HVAC, uh, everything outside, landscaping. And, and this, this, this business is, is just a, a lot of fun because it introduces our, our, our group of companies to, to the biggest, the biggest uh, real estate owners in the, in the world, um, not because we're great at paving, right? Because we've got this other product that can help them manage their dollars better and, and think differently than they have in the past. So uh, as we wrap up, and this is going to be a long episode, there's just so much here to unpack. I don't want to, don't want to cut it too short, but closing thoughts, what I'd like for you to do is, is think about some encouragement, right? You've been through some ups and downs in business. You've had some really good times, some really bad times. And obviously 2020 has been rough, you know, in the e-commerce space specifically, we've done pretty well, but those of us that are listening, you know, 
we have a lot of stuff going on. We have family members that may not be in e-commerce. We have friends that are struggling. You know, as a whole, things things are dicey this year. What encouragement would you give to people going into 2021 that may have had a rough year in business and maybe, you know, learned some hard lessons that they didn't want to have to learn right now uh, and so on and so forth? Yeah, so, I mean, uh, you know, from my, my experience here, if I'm, if I'm, you know, if I'm saying, you know, what do I think about that's experience here that makes, makes the most sense for anybody? Um, you know, I, I think, I think it's, you know, it, when, when, it, when it's day to day, day to day, I look at any meeting you go into and, 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 you know, the Zoom meetings we have so often now, but any meeting you're in, you know, go into that meeting with the mind of a 10 year old, right? The, the way you thought as a 10 or 11 year old, when you're inquisitive and you're learning something, you know, totally different, and you, and you really were passionate about learning it. You know, going to the meeting as a ten-year-old, and even even if you 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 might be the smartest person in the room, you know, never think that, right? And I, and I, I'm it's easy for me because I'm never the smartest person in any room I walk into. But but it, even if you think you are, even if you're well educated, you know, I think entrepreneurship is about constantly educating yourself passionately about whatever industry you're serving, and and I think that's 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 super important. Absolutely. So if someone wanted to start following your podcast and listen to, uh, you know, these other business leaders that, uh, that you bring in, tell us again the name of that podcast so people could find it. Yeah, so the, the podcast is Ditch Digger CEO, Ditch Digger CEO. And, uh, and, and I've got uh, some amazing characters on the show. I, I've got the founder of Netflix, the founder of, of uh, Redbox, uh, the founder of Brightstar, fastest growing woman franchise store in the world. Um, good friend of mine, Shelly's son. I've got uh, Jimmy John, so Jimmy John sandwiches, and and uh, you know, bill, you know, billionaire uh, uh, sandwich guy, right? Um, so so it's just it's so much fun to listen to these people, as well as the the, the people that you don't hear, the names you haven't heard of before, um, because it, it, they're they're all passionate about about serving. And in, in, in my opinion, it's not just serving in business; it's serving serving outside of their business, which is uh, you know as fun. Yep, I'm putting it on my list. Ditch Digger CEO of the podcast. Well. Gary, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for uh, voicing your opinion and and giving us uh, some of this wisdom that you've accrued over the years, sometimes through uh, through some pretty difficult lessons that's really important. And thank you for the responsibility you take for the industry, for the community of, uh, and when I say the industry, I mean the, the community of entrepreneurs, right? There's not a lot of people that that have a calling to give back. And the truth is, a lot of us make the same boneheaded mistakes that someone before us made, you know, and sharing, uh, you know, the good experience and the bad experience will definitely help all of us grow uh, as an entrepreneurial community together. So I appreciate you taking the time and uh, investing the resources to help do that. That's really, really, uh, really something I appreciate. Thank you, Tim. And I appreciate what you do as well. You get a cool podcast and you're, you're, you're doing the same stuff, but you're educating an industry that, that you love. And uh, how fun is that, right? You're, we're blessed to be able to do it. So thank you for all right. you do. And thanks for having me on today. And thank you all for listening, uh, all of you that are subscribing. If you're watching YouTube, make sure to give us a thumbs up, subscribe to the channel. If you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, please leave us a, uh, a positive review. Uh, that lets the uh, the podcast platforms know that you think we're doing something right, and it gives us a little boost. So if you found any value in this, please drop us a good review, and uh, we'll see you guys on the next episode.